Merry Christmas, and thanks for listening to La Jolla Presbyterian Church's sermon podcast for Christmas Eve 2015. This evening, Rev. Dr. Paul Cunningham presents his Christmas meditation, looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Please listen after the sermon for a few announcements. You can also learn about what's happening at La Jolla Press by visiting our website, ljpress.org, or contacting the church office at 858-454-0713. And now, here's Paul. So I think the year was 1978, 1979, perhaps 1980, uh, somewhere in there, late 70s, early 80s. Um, my parents drove an Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser station wagon. Do you all remember these? They had like the slick faux wood panels on the side. Um, they had that awesome reverse seat in the back of the station wagon. We were there. So if you were an inappropriate child... Um, like my brother and me, we got to face the traffic right behind us and um, make probably completely inappropriate faces. And ever, Lord, I'll stop right there. Um, anyway, so we had gone. I grew up in Fresno, and we had gone over to Monterey, California um, for some vacation time. And my parents decided that one day we would drive from Monterey over to Santa Clara and go to what at that point was uh, Marriott Great America. So very kind of the amusement park, Great America. I don't know who owns it now, but anyway, back in the days it was, was Marriott. So, so we drive over there and, you know, I, I didn't grow up with, you know, SeaWorld in my backyard, Disneyland an hour and a half away. And there's not a lot of amusement parks in Fresno, uh, California. So, so for my brother and I, who was four years younger than me, we were pretty excited about being able to drive over there and, 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 you know, go on all these rides and, and everything else. And, 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 and I tell you the truth, we got to, to, to Great America we pull into what should have been a completely full parking lot and we could not get in because Great America was closed that day. So when I saw National Lampoon's Christmas vac- or Christmas, National Lampoon's vacation, you know, when they make the trip to Wally World and, and Wally World is closed, I was like, dang it, I've been there. I know exactly what that feels like. And, but my parents were never like Chevy Chase, so there was no chance in anything that, that we were going to be able to bust in there and, and ride all the rides. But, but for a kid, I mean, what a, just an utter disappointment that you're looking forward to all of this and then to have the park closed. If you think about the story of Mary and Joseph and their trip to Bethlehem, they encounter the same sort of thing when they get there. There's no place for them. There's no place for them that give birth to, to the Messiah. All the rooms are filled, and we're not sure exactly where they are, that they eventually are able to give birth to this child. But, but there's no welcome. There's no sense of, hey, let's, let's, let's extend our hospitality and, and welcome you to this place. It's amazing because you think this is, what, this is what the world's been waiting for. This was God's great big plan. This was the kingdom of heaven drawing near. A couple of texts and then we'll get to the, the story that we all know so well and the story you're expecting uh, to hear this evening. But Matthew 10, chapter 5 This is now Jesus after Jesus has called the 12 disciples. He says, these 12 that Jesus sent out with the, he sent them out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And then this is the important line. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near. 
that in all of this, Jesus says, this is, this is what everything was being prepared for. My kingdom, the heaven, the kingdom that God has prepared has drawn near to you. This light that we're going to hear about in just a moment shines in the darkness. There's also this interesting thing, and I love the way that God works in Scripture because that's why you know, Old and New Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the New Testament, they all play a role in this. So there's this prophet, this prophet and you may remember this guy named Balaam. And we don't spend a lot of time in the book of Numbers. And I'm sure when you came tonight, you thought, no chance in the world that Paul is going to use a passage from Numbers on Christmas Eve. Well, surprise, surprise. Um, and Balaam is usually known more for anything than for his talking donkey. Okay, so if you, if you haven't heard this story, you can go home tonight and read the baby Jesus story and then read Numbers 24. But listen to these words that come out of Numbers 24, this prophet, prophecy of Balaam. This is Numbers 24, verse 15. Then he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, the son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eyes see clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. Now listen to this. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. Who knew in the book of Numbers were already looking forward to the birth of the Messiah? To the Savior who will come and who will save the world. To the one who has this rather unfortunate welcome into the world. But we see the expanse of God's grace and God's mercy as we move into the rest of that story in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. That God goes to the, the least of the least, the people we would last expect God to go and share his good news. I mean, we would expect God to go to Jerusalem, right? I mean, would you not go to the holy city, to the place where the temple was, where all the religious leaders were, where all the scribes and the Pharisees and, and, and teachers were? No. Instead, God goes out to the fields. And this is what we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So God now expands the territory. This kingdom that he has said he is going to bring, this kingdom that, 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 that uh, Balaam foretold way back in the book of Numbers, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, this is the kingdom. This is what this birth is all about, this birth of the Messiah, Jesus, the one who will save the world. 
And as we look at this, it's, I love, I can only imagine what it would have been like to have been a shepherd out in the fields and all of a sudden have this glorious, majestic song of the angels singing over you. This is how God announces his birth. He sends the angels to go and sing to a group of shepherds. And he says, look, I want you to come and see what has happened. This is the great news of Christmas. This is the great news of what God does for us in Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to come and see. He invites us in year after year after year after year. We have this service year after year after year. The church around the world has this service. As we talk about the glorious, great, and amazingly good news of Jesus Christ. This God who invites us in and says, come, I want you to see this. And he is a God who continues to invite. A God who continues to welcome. If only we could be like that. Now, I'm going to have a little confession time for all of you. Work some stuff out from my childhood about when I was not so gracious and not so welcoming. It's pretty bad that this happened in second or third grade, and I still remember it. So that's mm, it's a lot of years going on there. So my buddy Scott Lawson lived down the, in the end of my street, and we used to hang out a lot and ride our bikes and play G.I. Joes and, and do all that other sort of stuff. And, and so one, one t- day, it's probably three or four days before my birthday, I know this for a fact, we were riding bikes and hanging out, and, and we got into an argument and it was kind of one of those, I mean, I don't know what, how nasty second and third grade boys' arguments are. It seems like they can't be that big of a deal. But, but I guess it was a really big deal to me. Because finally at one point I said to him, I said, Look, you are not invited to my birthday party anymore. Man, I think God's still working on me for that for all those years ago. And what I did was I uninvited him to my birthday party. Now someone after the first service is like, What did your mom do? I'm like... I'm sure my mom made him re- re-invite him. I don't remember what actually happened a- after that, actually. But all I remember is so clearly looking at him saying, you are not welcome. You can't come. You're uninvited. And the good news for us is that God never uninvites We may not l- always live as we ought to live. We may not always do the things that we ought to do. But God never uninvites us. God is always in this mode of saying, I want you to come and see this. To the shepherds, he sends angels singing in the sky saying, come and behold what I have done. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Will you come and be a part of this? You are invited. And that's the amazing message of Christmas. That we're invited to once again... Come into the presence of the little Lord, of the little Savior, Jesus, the one who will grow up and will tell us about the coming of the kingdom of heaven. But there's another thing that happens in our story that I don't want us to miss. And that is the shepherds go immediately. As soon as they are invited, do you notice this? There's no excuse making. Now, a lot of us are really good at making excuses. We're too busy. We have a lot of stuff going on. We'll get around to this Jesus thing someday, sometime. We keep hearing about it. It sounds okay, but we have a lot going on. The shepherds made no excuses, and they just went immediately to Bethlehem. And you know what else they didn't do? What did they not bring? A baby gift, right? The wise men at least brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
little home, home welcoming gift, right? The shepherds brought nothing. They just simply brought themselves. Because it's all they had. They were out in the fields. They didn't have anything else. But for so many of us, we start making excuses. The kingdom of heaven draws near. The birth of Jesus calls us. And we just say, you know, I'm not ready. This isn't it. I, I got stuff going on. And you know what? You're in good company when you do that. Doesn't mean it's right, but you are in good company. Because you remember when excuse making began in the Bible? Let's go back to Genesis 3. You all are so delighted tonight. You're like, we get Genesis, Numbers, and some Jesus. I mean, that's like, what more could you want on Christmas Eve? Balaam, Adam, and Eve. But this is important stuff, folks. So we're in Genesis chapter 3, and, and you remember how this story goes. God, you know, creates the whole world, creates paradise, puts Adam and Eve in paradise. And you remember in the center of the garden, he places two trees. Tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We've talked about this before. Notice where God puts those two trees. He does not put them at the far ends of paradise, right? He puts them right in the middle. Why? To remind Adam and Eve, to remind us that they are not God, that there are certain rules. And God says, all of this is yours, except for these two trees. Don't eat. Well, we know how that story goes, right? They don't listen very well. We get to uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. They have now discovered they've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They realize they're naked. They clothe themselves. God shows up. And listen to the conversation and how this conversation goes. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Speaking to Adam, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Notice who does not answer the question and who immediately begins to point the finger. The man said, he did not say yes or no, right? He did not say, I blew it. I'm sorry, God. He says, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. From the very beginning, we have been pointing the finger and avoiding blame. And notice how he, Adam is, this is the most brazen excuse in perhaps all of scripture. Make sure you don't miss this. The woman you gave me. Do you catch this? Who's, who's Adam really pointing the finger at? Not just the one, not just Eve. Way to go, God. The woman you gave me. She caused me to do this. Oof. It's pretty good. Then the Lord God said, the woman, verse 13, what is this you have done? And she said, the serpent deceived me. She just, it's her fault, your fault, his fault. And so the excuses began. And here we sit tonight. For some of us, it's time to stop making excuses. It's time to come and bow the knee and to realize who Jesus is and what he has done. It's time to recognize and understand that out of that place of great inhospitality, inhospitality, I don't know if that's a word, that inhospitable place, comes hospitality, comes this great and amazing welcome. I want you to be a part of this. This is a welcoming community, a welcoming place. 
So I want you to think about this, and this is for, for kind of some of you uh, more tech people, and especially if you're an Apple-type person, Apple geek, computer-type person, you, you will love this. The very first store, Apple store opened in the year 2001. Okay? Apple decided they were going to break into the retail market. Now, in the year 2001, you, you may not remember this, but if you were actually using the Internet, you were probably cruising really fast if you had a 56, 56K modem. Y'all remember those things? Like the really crazy noise. And I mean, that was going fast. There were no iPhones. There were no iPods. And yet they saw a niche of a market and said, we're going to open this retail store. Now, when you all walk by an Apple retail store, I'm going to guarantee you, you know it. Because what do they do? They have created a space and a place that is absolutely welcoming. When you walk in there, you are greeted. If you have a question, you have an answer. And you know what else they've done? They've also created what? The genius bar. So you too can be a genius. Because which of us, who of us doesn't want to be a genius? But they have, create, been, they have created an environment. Because when you see an Apple store, I guarantee you, even if you're a, a PC person, you see that Apple store and you go, ooh. Well, 2,000 years ago, there was a far greater welcome given. Jesus came into this world and said, I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to come and join with me. It's just what the shepherds did. They were changed forever. The scriptures say they went back glorifying God and praising his name. Their lives, I'm going to suggest, were never the same. That welcome they had received changed their lives forever. And that then is our task. It doesn't end tonight. Because in a few minutes, you'll get sent out. We're going to sing Silent Night. We're going to sing Joy to the World. And then you go. But because of Jesus, the world has been changed. And because of Jesus, your life can be changed. Pray with me, please. God, for tonight, we thank you. And the chance to once again think about Christmas. Think about what that means for us. To know that you have welcomed us. To know that you have received us. To know that you say, hey, that you don't have to make excuses. I'm going to keep on inviting you. And God, perhaps tonight is the night for some of us to simply say, Lord, yes. I want to receive that and I want to live into that. I want my life to follow the light of the world. So God, strengthen us and encourage us, remind us of that great and amazing news that Jesus Christ has been born for us. We ask this, we pray this in his holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for listening. Here's some of what's happening around LJPC in the coming weeks. You can find a complete listing on our website at ljpress.org. We'll be starting a new sermon series on January 10th, looking at great biblical prayers. Growth groups will be starting up that week as well. We encourage everyone to join a growth group. It's a great way to get connected. Reverend Scott Mitchell will be offering a good grief class on eight Tuesdays 
from January 19th to March 15th, excluding February 16th after President's Day. It'll be in room LC5, and for those who are struggling with loss this holiday season, the cost is $20 for materials. Please RSVP to Scott at 858-729-5595 or scottm at ljpress.org. We are once again blessing refugee families with Fill a Basket and Adopt a Family Ministries this year. Just because Christmas is over doesn't mean that refugee families still don't need our help. Refugees have been in the news this year, and many families are struggling. You can help bless a refugee family here in San Diego by bringing Christmas presents or cleaning supplies to brighten the situation. It's a wonderful thing to do as a family, a growth group, or a team. LJPC now has an app for phones and tablets. It will be much easier to find and listen to these recordings, as well as watch live on Sunday mornings. You can find a link on the website, or search for La Jolla Press or LJPC in your app store. There are options available for iPhone, Android, Windows, and Kindle devices. If you would like more information about these announcements, or anything else happening at La Jolla Press, you can find our website at ljpress.org. That's L-J-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Or call the church office at 858-454-0713. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, and have a blessed day.